2: The police narrative is in question as new details
3: emerge. You don't sit on the sidelines while kids are being targeted by uh, uh, someone as evil as this.
2: Mitch McConnell greenlights bipartisan talks to curb gun
1: violence. We have to at least uh, listen to each other and see if there's a path
3: forward.
2: U.S. GDP shrinks for the first time since 2020.
1: I'm, I'm very concerned when we look beyond
2: 2022 to 2023. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Friday, May 27th. I'm Mike Scott. The official account of what happened during a shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, is under scrutiny following the reporting of new details. The gunman who massacred 19 children and two teachers at that Texas elementary school, was inside for more than an hour before he was killed in a shootout. That according to new information from authorities. The admission comes amid mounting public anger and scrutiny over police response to the rampage. Texas safety officials called a media briefing in order to clarify the timeline of the attack and provided bits of previously unknown information. By the time it ended, though, it had added to the troubling questions surrounding the attack in the town of Uvalde, including about the time it took police to reach the scene and confront the gunman and the apparent failure to lock a school door that he entered. After two days of providing often conflicting information, Investigators said that a school district police officer was not inside Robb Elementary when 18-year-old gunman Salvador Ramos arrived at the school, and contrary to previous reports, the officer had not confronted Ramos outside the building. Soon, smartphone video of parents confronting police outside of the school were being posted online and going viral.
3: Are your kids in there? Are you in there? You don't want to oh turn it on with that, head. Head. with that poor kid. Look at that poor there. little kid, that poor baby. You don't understand. I'm a parent, you're not Are you no, getting? I'm a I want to go to a shot. You're, you're, you're scared to get shot? Get I'll go in with Donald okay. okay. Yeah, I will, okay. not okay, I'm Man, that's crazy, bro. They're just standing all outside, bro. There's kids in there still, man. I don't know what kind of parent you are, but half of these. Dude. They want to go in there without vests, without guns, to so get the f- and
2: Texas Department of Public Safety Regional Director Victor Escalon said no one tried to stop the gunman from walking into Robb Elementary.
0: He walked in unobstructed initially. So from
2: the grandmother's house to the bar ditch to the school, into the school,
1: he was not confronted by anybody.
2: Escalon responds to whether officers should have tried to enter the school sooner.
1: Once we interview all those officers,
0: what they were thinking, what they did, why they did it, the video, the residual interviews, we'll have a better idea. Could anybody have gone there sooner? you got to understand, small town.
2: Later that evening, Escalon joined CNN's Wolf Blitzer and said the officers did not charge in because they could have been shot.
1: At that point, if they, if they proceeded any further, not knowing where this suspect was at, um, they could have been shot. They could have been killed. And at that point, that gunman would have the opportunity to kill other people inside that school. So they were able to contain that gunman inside that classroom uh, so that he was not able to go to any other portions of the school to commit any other killings.
2: Congressman Mike Garcia of California joined the Salem Radio Network discussing the tragedy in Uvalde, Texas, and the response that he has seen from congressional colleagues. Garcia expressed disbelief at reports of police hesitating to protect the children of Uvalde.
3: I hope this wasn't the case. I hope that this was somehow taken out of context. But uh, this this is not how you react to a shooting like this. It's, you don't sit on the sidelines while kids are being targeted by uh uh, someone as evil as this. And, you know, at the Saugus high school shooting that we had just a, a couple of years ago, we lost two young teenagers at my alma mater, Saugus high school. And, uh, you know, w- we saw heroism there with, with local sheriffs, off duty cops uh, running into the school grounds to protect kids. And God, I re- I really hope that this isn't true. I hope that we didn't see police officers, uh, Preventing people from going in and and putting this guy down.
2: Garcia responds to former Texas representative, Beto O'Rourke storming Governor Greg Abbott's press conference.
3: A lot of it is you know, raw emotion, right? And, and I know some of these folks, and I and I don't doubt that. But but a lot of this is also theatrics. And and the reality is, is the, these incidents continue to get worse, and and. They've gotten worse over the last 20, 30 years uh, since Columbine. They've gotten worse under Republican presidents, Democrat presidents, Republican uh, House and Senate, as well as Democrat House and Senate. And right now, the Democrats are in control of the House. They're in control of the Senate. They're in control of the White House. And these incidents continue to happen. And so I think this is a defense mechanism for them more than anything.
2: Garcia says that school children have become targets and suggests... We should protect our children as well as congressmen and women are protected.
3: I would give my life in support of my own two boys, my five-year-old and 15-year-old. But when I go to work, I'm surrounded by armed guards. I'm surrounded by metal detectors and these large fences to, 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 pr- to protect me. We don't have that in schools. And our, and our children have become targets, whether we like it or not. Whether we understand it or not, the reality is that our kids have become targets. And we've we've got to do something to get more resources into these schools uh, to protect them and and mitigate these, these incidents. If we can't stop it, then we should mitigate it. Garcia believes, in
2: his opinion, that many Democrats will try and use the tragedy of Uvalde to gain momentum in upcoming crucial midterm elections.
3: You can't legislate your way through that necessarily, but these Democrats have completely lost their mind on this issue and they're, they're trying to weaponize it uh, coming up with elections rather than actually try to address the issues.
2: Turning to the ongoing war in Ukraine, Kharkiv has been hit by fresh strikes amid at least nine civilians killed, including a child. 19 were hurt according to Ukrainian medical authorities. And per reports, Ukrainian officials admit that Russia has the upper hand in fighting in the Donbass region right now. The governor of the Luhansk region says just 5% of the area now remains in Ukrainian hands and that Ukrainian forces are retreating in some areas. NBC foreign correspondent Molly Hunter breaks down the latest on the war in Ukraine so there's a basically kind of a horseshoe a pocket of ukrainian control still in the donbass region surrounded on three sides by russian troops The governor of that area says six people overnight were killed. But really, that whole area, Joe, we should say, is pretty devoid of civilians. It is mostly Ukrainian military trying to stave off, trying to protect that last little pocket of control. Now, we are hearing overnight from experts who say that actually the tactic of the Russian forces there seems to be shifting. So instead of trying to cut off that whole pocket in one fell swoop, it now looks like they're really going after kind of pockets of Ukrainian control to get those incremental gains in villages of Lyman and Popsana. Those are the two villages we're watching very closely today. But big picture, Joe, Russians, uh, Russian forces there are absolutely making advances and looking like they will uh, take over that pocket in coming days. The Biden administration aims to lead the international bloc opposed to Russia's invasion of Ukraine into a broader coalition to counter what it sees as a more serious long-term threat to global order from China. Secretary of State Blinken says China has become closer to Russia even as it invaded neighboring Ukraine. Even while Russia was clearly mobilizing
0: to invade Ukraine, President Xi and President Putin declared that the friendship between their countries was, and I quote, without limits. Just this week, as President Biden was visiting Japan, China and Russia conducted a strategic bomber patrol together in the region.
2: Meanwhile, China and Russia vetoed a U.N. resolution sponsored by the United States on Thursday That would have imposed tough new sanctions on North Korea for its tests of intercontinental ballistic missiles, launches that can be used to deliver nuclear weapons. U.S. Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield says North Korea should work on improving conditions for its people instead of developing weapons.
1: We urge
0: the DPRK to invest in its people instead of its destabilizing weapons. We urge the DPRK to address the dire COVID-19 situation and engage in diplomacy instead of threatening the world.
2: Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell Thursday gave the green light to bipartisan talks on legislation to try and curb some gun violence, revealing he has asked Senator John Cornyn of Texas to negotiate with Democrats.
3: Our country is sickened and outraged by the senseless evil that struck Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. McConnell says
2: he is hopeful of reaching some kind of bipartisan agreement to respond to the recent mass shootings in Buffalo and Uvalde. However, McConnell cautioned Negotiations should not veer off into proposals not directly related to the recent violence in Texas that left 21 dead. In speaking to reporters, Democrat Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia says legislation to keep guns from people in danger of hurting themselves or others might
3: make sense. Anybody that's had anything along the lines where it could have been mental illness, it could be a it could be background. Looking at everything that we can to bring everyone to the table to find out a, a, a really a plausible way to, to move forward. It's just, at the time, we just need to do it way past time. And I can't, I mean, if, if, you know, this should never be a season on children. You shouldn't let this happen.
2: Republican Senator John Thune of South Dakota says he hopes Republicans and Democrats can come together to address violent school attacks.
1: I think that we have to at least uh, listen to each other and see if there's a path forward where um, you know we might be able to find solutions that actually address the problem. I mean, too often in these debates, at least in my experience, is people come up with lots of solutions to problems that that either don't exist or weren't the cause of what happened.
2: Thune also says GOP senators could support providing money to the states that already have red flag laws or that want to develop them.
1: I think there's a general feeling, as you know among our members, that it's better to incentivize that the states than to come up with a national or federal, uh, any kind of a federal requirement. Um, You know, we'll see where that goes. Uh, I think, you know, Hardman School is obviously something that's broadly supported by members on our side too.
2: The potential areas of compromise would include red flag laws, background checks or mental health issues. Red flag laws generally permit police or family members to seek a court order to temporarily confiscate firearms from a person who may present a danger to others or themselves. Liberal firebrand Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont and Trump-aligned Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina will square off next month in a policy debate at a full-size replica of the United States Senate in Boston. Daybreak Insider's congressional correspondent, Bernie Bennett, has details on that story. The debate series is the brainchild of former Senate Majority Leader Tom Daschle, who is hoping to rekindle the Senate's tradition of debate and collegiality, which many senators feel has gotten lost in recent years as the use of filibusters has become more common to block debate. Sanders and Graham are two of the most prominent members of the Senate and both gifted orators who have a knack for revving up their party's base and infuriating ideological opponents. The June 13th debate will be sponsored by the Bipartisan Policy Center, the Orange G. Hatch Foundation, and the Edward M. Kennedy Institute. Bernie Bennett in Washington. The U.S. economy contracted 1.5% in the first quarter of 2022. According to revised data released by the Bureau of Economic Analysis on Thursday, it's a new downward revision for the gross domestic product, the broadest measure of goods and services produced across the economy. It comes after a previously reported 1.4% contraction. It was the first drop in GDP since the second quarter of 2020 in the depths of the COVID-19 recession. Former Council of Economic Advisers Acting Chairman Tyler Goodspeed joined Fox News to discuss the U.S. economy and he says... He's not so much concerned about 2022. What concerns him is what's coming in 2023. It's not
1: entirely unexpected from my point of view, just because we have those really volatile components, like the change in private inventories. That is the most volatile component of the most volatile component of GDP. And so it's, it's unpleasant. Uh, but I, I think in terms of this year, the inertial better measured components of GDP, namely consumer spending and business investment, are still in positive territory, and I expect that to continue. So I think we avoid a recession or a technical recession in 2022, but I'm, I'm very concerned when we look beyond 2022 to 2023.
2: Goodspeed says that one problem he sees is that while wages are increasing, those increases are being devoured
1: by inflation, the one silver lining had been that that was on average. Whereas in the aggregate, uh, real compensation overall was still going up because of of hiring. So there were more people working, even though on average they were earning less. Overall compensation was greater. That has changed in recent months. So now in recent months, real compensation of workers overall has declined because. Nominal wage gains have been eaten up by inflation. And I think that we have, we have this, uh, this strange gap between consumer spending, which has remained resilient, and surveys of consumer sentiment, which are now at levels that we simply haven't seen since the Great Recession.
2: The average gas price in the U.S. on Thursday was $4.60 a gallon, according to AAA. In California, it topped $6 a gallon. The high price of oil, largely because many buyers are refusing to purchase Russian oil because of its invasion of Ukraine, is the main cause of steep gasoline prices, according to some experts. Americans aren't the only ones weighing their options as the summer travel season begins. Across the EU, 27 countries, gasoline has risen 40% from a year ago to the equivalent of $8.40 a gallon. Daybreak Insiders at Donahue has more on the rising gas prices at the pump in the United States. With
0: gas prices painfully high, AAA says about 39 million people plan to travel over the long weekend. Andrew Gross says 88% of them plan to drive.
3: We've never had a Memorial Day travel period where so many people are going to be going by car.
1: At the same time, you have these high gas prices.
0: Dan Johnson in Pennsylvania has a family graduation to attend.
1: We really didn't have a choice and- We just toughed it up, and, you know, whatever the gas price is, we have to, unfortunately, we have to pay for it.
0: Gross says the pandemic is part of the reason people just want to get out and go. Oil market researcher Jim Burkhardt at SP Global expects no relief from high gas prices through the summer.
3: Especially if Americans drive in great numbers, uh, which is what's expected to happen. And there is
0: little relief for flyers. Prices for airline tickets are up too. I'm Ed Donahue.
2: Of Sharknado, well, apparently there is a Sharkano. The Kavachi volcano is an active submarine volcano in the Solomon Islands and was recently caught erupting by satellite imagery.
3: Check out this new photo from NASA. It shows a discovery under the sea. It's the Kuvachi volcano erupting below the Solomon Islands. Now, the space agency calls it a sharkcano because two species of sharks actually live in the volcano. NASA says the volcano volcano is one of the most active submarine volcanoes in the Pacific.
2: During a 2015 research expedition to Kuvachi, Scientists were surprised to discover the volcano's crater also happens to be home to two types of sharks, hammerheads and silky sharks. And finally, Ray Liotta, the terrific actor whose career breakout came in the 1990 Martin Scorsese crime classic Goodfellas, after co-starring in Field of Dreams, has died. According to reports, Liotta died in his sleep in the Dominican Republic, where he was shooting a film, Dangerous Waters. In the defining role of his career, Leota played Henry Hill in Scorsese's Goodfellas.
3: You sure you're all right? Huh? Why don't you go inside and get yourself together, to clean up.
0: You want something? Huh? Oh, wait, hey! Wait, wait. Ah. What are you doing? Ah. 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 I swear, my oh, mother, if you touch her again, you're dead! Ah. Ah. Don't shoot!
2: You're hiding. Are you alright? Are you alright? Yeah. Huh?
3: Yeah. I know there are women like my best friends who would have gotten out of there the minute their boyfriend gave them a gun to hide. But I didn't. I gotta admit the truth. It turned me on.
2: In an interview about the film, Leota talks about the vision Scorsese had for Goodfellas. Partly
3: comical, partly violent, <laughs> <laughs> partly... There's a little bit of everything. <laughs> it is. It really spans 30 years. I think what Marty wanted to do with this is do it more in a documentary style and... Show all the different levels. There's uh, scenes where I'm in prison and I'm there with my kids. He wanted to get everything, everybody involved, the whole lifestyle, not not just the events.
2: Ray Leola played the baseball player Shoeless Joe Jackson in the 1989 film, Field of Dreams.
0: Ray Kinsella, Joe Jackson.
3: back again? Yeah. <laughs> I built this for you. There are others, you know. There were eight of us. I really mean a lot to them. Yeah. Anytime. They're all welcome here.
0: We're keeping this field. Leota
2: won a primetime Emmy in 2005 for his guest stint on ER and was a two time SAG Award nominee for the 2015 miniseries Texas Rising and the 1998 telefilm The Rat Pack, in which he starred as Frank Sinatra opposite Don Cheadle, Joe Mantegna, and Angus McFadden. Leota leaves behind a daughter, Carson, and was engaged to be married. Ray Leota. Was 67 years old. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or Salem com. Get our Companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRN News.com and Townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.